You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javet, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecuted church too author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I am your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed, and today I am joined by Dr. Fadia Farag, the founder of uh, the Brooklyn Arab American Friendship Center in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Our topic today focuses on the importance of friendship in sharing Christ with Muslims. Before we jump in, a little bit about Dr. Fadia. Dr. Fadia was born into a Coptic Christian family in Egypt, where she worked as a pediatrician for many years. After moving to the U.S. in 1990, she felt called to co-found a teaching center for immigrants, and the Friendship Center opened its doors in 2004. The Friendship Center offers free ESL citizenship and computer classes and a variety of other physical, emotional, and spiritual support, especially to Muslim women. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Fadia. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So let's start at the beginning today. What inspired you to start the Friendship Center all those years ago? It actually started after September 11th. I was in Times Square Church at that time, and we started a ministry called Muslim Outreach Ministry. We felt that, you know, there are so many friends here that we need to reach them for Christ, and we need first to make them feel that they are welcome here in the United States. Because at that moment, everybody was a little bit kind of concerned about their presence and all that stuff. So after we started that ministry, we used to go to the streets to tell people, to tell anybody who is veiled or with a beard or something, to tell them about Jesus. So we discovered that the conversations never went well. It's kind of, we are trying to convince them to be Christian. They are trying to convince us to be Muslim. So it didn't work well. Uh, They gave us names to pray for, and they gave us phone numbers when we called the phone numbers. Nobody answers. Mm. So at that moment, uh, somehow I found myself the leader of that ministry Mm. because the two leaders went to uh, Afghanistan at that moment. So I found myself responsible. So I felt that this is not the way I can just argue with them and tell them you have to love my Jesus. And it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So we started to stay at the church to pray that the Lord will tell us exactly what to do and where to go. During that time, there was another missionary. uh, uh, She is a planter who the Lord gave her the same calling from Dearborn to come and start a center in Bayridge. So when I heard that, I just contacted her right away and we started praying and we started to see what the Lord wants from us. We started to go to the streets and ask the people, What do you need? How can we help you? And our tone totally changed from you have to love my Jesus to how can I help you? 
And during that time, we had one answer all the time. We don't know English. We don't know how to mingle here. So the idea of the center started and we opened our doors, as you mentioned, in 2004. Well, thank you so much for giving some background. And I know how amazing your ministry is all these years that I've known you. And even before I got there back in 2009, um, God was already using you. And uh, we have uh, worked together um, through Heart for Muslims uh, conference. And uh, I have heard wonderful, even since then, I've heard wonderful stories of uh, love and care. But for the sake of audience, help people to understand um, more about the type of people you are receiving. So Muslims come to the U.S. from all over the world, from Africa to the Middle East to Asia. What background do, do most at the center come from and what are the unique challenges they face when coming here? For example, I know that uh, many women coming from Yemen cannot read or write. Help That's, correct. That. That's correct. That's uh, correct. The center has... I would say most of the people who speak Arabic from wherever it is, I can say Middle East only because we have people from Algeria, Morocco, mm -hmm. and Tunisia. Then we have Palestine, Lebanese, uh, Syrian, Yemen, Egypt. Uh, so all the Arab speaking people are welcome to the center. And these are always our precious friends every day. Yeah, and now since you, as soon you start talking about different countries, I'm already I was salivating for Yemeni food because right there, you know, <laughs> in the Bay Ridge area, you have really good Yemeni food, and now I'm thinking about Lebanese food. Um, so you see how my brain works. Um, but <laughs> that's the best way to work, <laughs> right? So why should Christian care about Muslims and the challenges they face, especially in the United States? Why? First of all, these friends come to America, they have kind of culture shock and language shock. They come, they don't know English, most of them, and they don't know how to deal with the schools of their children. When they go to the doctor, they don't know what to say. Uh, they get phone calls, as we all get phone calls when we come to America, offers and stuff like that, and uh, they don't know what it is. The, it's kind of really shock and the culture too is very different. So uh, we try to alleviate that. We try to help them to mingle. And also we try to tell them that American people love you. I don't say I'm, all American people love you. I don't know. I know right. <laughs> Christian people love you. That Amen is to all, that. That's all what we wanted to let them know that you are more than welcome. You are people that Jesus loves so much and he died for you as he died for me and for everybody else. So uh, that was the first thing that made us kind of able to, uh, to hug them and to embrace them and help them. Uh, because it is really very hard time for them, and especially after September 11. A lot of people were pointing fingers at them as, the, as these are the people that killed, killed us. Yeah, which is not true by mm -hmm, any means, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they are different. I mean, yeah. they are groups that are terrorists. They are groups that are very loving and caring. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we don't judge everybody because some people are crazy and did that. Correct. 
And we can find those crazy people even here, right? Exactly. So people are people. You can't change people. Exactly. But also you cannot dismiss the rest of the people because some of them are not uh, sane. Exactly. To understand how to live in harmony. You talked about the importance of patience when sharing Christ with Muslims at the Heart for Muslims conference in the past. Can you tell more about why an obsession with numbers is so detrimental to witnessing to Muslims? Actually, this is, I, I noticed in the ministry that it is very, uh, not only discouraging, but it's something that needs to be highlighted because we don't know who is saved and who is not. We are sitting in the church. We don't know who is saved next to me or not. Only God knows that. The second thing, Paul himself said that I plant Apollos waters and God gives the, the increase. So I don't save anybody. Very clear, we don't save anybody. We don't have that ability to save anybody. What we do is to plant the seed and pray. Then the Lord will finish the rest. So yeah. the idea of numbers is kind of little bit. It's not like we are counting sheep. Okay. If you confess Jesus here with me, so you are born again, I'll see you in heaven. This is not right, true. Right. This right. is not true. Mm -hmm. The other mm -hmm. thing, Muslim people come with a big, big background that they don't just confess Jesus and say, okay, now they are Christian. It doesn't happen this way. It's mm. like a cabbage. You are careful. You take one layer after the other till you go to the core. Mm -hmm. I am not belittling the idea that Jesus can come to them in one moment and they can be saved at their homes. Mm. That is the work of the Lord. Mm. But if you are telling me about friends that I am showing them the love of Jesus after I built the trust to trust me and hear me, so this will never be counted and calculated. Only when I go to heaven, I will know that. So the idea of numbers is a little bit, I don't know. I don't agree with it. And I never used it. And I will never use it. Wow. So can you give us a few examples of the major obstacles Muslims must work through as they learn about Christianity and how you address them? Uh, so... Oh. I think this will help uh, with the campaigners of numbers, right? So it will just yes. give them some understanding when through your examples, they will see like, oh, and I love your illustration of the cabbage, cabbage too, because you, you allow them to peel one layer at a time and eventually they will get down there. But just a little more about the major obstacles the Muslim must work through. First of all, uh, Islam is identity and culture, and politics, and religion. So Islam is not just a religion that we say, okay, leave your, your religion and come to my religion, and that's it. It never happens this way. It's identity. It's who I am, and who, who I am, and how people see me. So it's not very easy. All of a sudden, they just change and say, okay, I'm not here, I'm there. This is not going to happen, and it doesn't happen. Also, they have families around them. It, they care about the family. And if somebody changes, that is, or, you know, say I am Christian, that is a problem to the family, to the person, to everybody around them. So they are afraid of, of doing that. And they are so tied to their family and their religion and their culture. And 
everything is just a little bit difficult for them. Other thing is Muslim know Jesus, but they don't know him as Jesus. They know him as Isa and they know him as a prophet. So when I come and tell them it's God, uh, he, he, Jesus is God and incarnated or he is he has a divine nature or he was crucified or he was resurrected and the Trinity and all that stuff for them is kind of very difficult to understand. And that's why my advice always in any Muslim ministry, if you are planning to do that and the Lord is calling, calling you to do, to do that, prayers are the backbone in everything. Because you can change all these beliefs. You can tell them, you can talk to them, you can show them who you are, you can show them the love of Jesus, you can share passages, passages of the Bible as we always do. But the end of the day, only Jesus can convert them. Amen. He will not convert anybody. That's right. I don't think that it's dishonest to tell a person that um, I'm not here to convert you because simply we can't. It's just not in our power to convert people. That's a worldview uh, of looking at religion and say, thinking that they, uh, religious people convert others to their religion. In faith, it's a relationship. When I met my wife, I can't make her fall in love with me. She has to make that decision, right? Same That's with me. True. To have that relation, it got to be something that is beyond us. And uh, in this case, uh, it's relationship with God. So God has to intervene. If he doesn't change, nothing going to change. So I agree. I want to make sure that uh, I cover a variety of different things about uh, uh, your ministry, but also what you do. So what's a commonly held belief about Muslims that you passionately disagree with? I would say fear. Uh, that is how most of the American people look at Muslims. And unfortunately, uh, in churches too. And we notice that over and over again. They are afraid, first of all, they look at Muslims are the ones who are persecuting Christians all over the world. The second thing, they always feel that if I talk to them about Jesus, they may kill me because, uh, you know, they do stuff all over the world or they, they may bomb a place that I am in. So that fear grabs the Christians. And I don't believe with that. I don't agree with that. Also here in America, we are used to the, the life that we are very secure. So I have to protect myself. The other thing, as Jonah, a lot of people say enough what they did to us, enough what they did to our missionaries. So just leave them alone and just, you know, live your life. Mm. This is not true. This mm -hmm. is not true. These are people when Jesus looks at every one of them, he died for them. So he wants us to stand and show them who Jesus is. So my fear should not hinder me from bringing a soul or giving them the light of the gospel and the light of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the rest is whatever he's going to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there are even verses about that. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Amen. If, so if I'm afraid of them, then I don't have the love for them. Right. So I can say I love all the Muslims and I just stay in my home drinking my tea and mm. whatever happens to them in eternity, I don't care. This mm -hmm. is not what mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Also, we have that verse that I love so much. And actually, this verse, my pastor in Egypt, he died about uh, maybe 12 years ago. He gave it to me when I started the ministry. I said, that is what's going to happen. And I'm starting this ministry, but I am afraid. I said the same exact thing that I heard over and over. And he gave me Jeremiah uh, 117. Get yourself ready. Stand up. Say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Oh, that's awesome. I that's love really that. good. And Re I would give the reference again so people can hear that. Uh, Jeremiah, mm -hmm. Jeremiah 117. 117, 117. Jeremiah 117. And that's exactly, I would say, I put it in front of me all these years in the ministry. We got threats, yes. They are people who can come and tell us, stop talking about Jesus. You are here to teach English. Actually, no, I'm here to teach English and help them. But I am here to witness for my Lord. So all the time this verse was in front of me. And now the center is 19 years. Nothing happened to us. We are Amen, right? We are still here. <laughs> and in the matter of fact, we are growing more in the love of Jesus because that's mm. what he asked us to do. Amen. So the great commission is to go and bring fruit. Also, Jesus said, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed mm -hmm. you to go and bear fruit, yeah. fruit that remain. So uh, I don't see any reason for fear at mm -hmm. all. So in summary, if listeners want to become involved in reaching out to Muslim refugees and isn't in um, New York City, um, and they can't uh, come to your uh, ministry and serve through that. Where do you suggest they start? The field is very wide and ripe. You can start in your church, but my advice, don't start in the church building. A lot of Muslims get intimidated, especially if they are a little bit fanatic. They will not go to learn English or just go to church this will not appeal to many of them so start taking the opinion of your pastor some friends from the church try to make a group together jesus when he sent them he sent them two by two he didn't send them one by one so mm -hmm. it's always mm -hmm. good to have the support of the people around you mm -hmm. then start mm -hmm. to find a room outside the church in a community center maybe invite them to your house uh, with a cup of coffee one time, two times, three times. And once you build the friendship, mm -hmm. you can talk about Jesus. But That's some solid advice, seriously. You can just tell them, Jesus, 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 and you are just from another planet. They, you need to be part of them. They need to see your love. You need, they need to see that you are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. you, they need to see Jesus in you. Then open your mouth and talk. Right. So, Dr. Fadia, anything else you want to add to this conversation before uh, we begin to close this podcast? I episode? would say a few little advices. Sure. If not you, who will go? Yeah. yeah. If not now, then when? Mm -hmm. If not we here, then where? Amen. That That's is right. one thing. The other thing I like to tell you, if you start a center or start serving with Muslim people, remember a few things. Men with men, women with women. Hmm. Please, this is very important in any Muslim outreach ministry. 
The other thing that you need to remember, you are trying to draw them to the love of Jesus. Don't forget that they want to draw you to Islam. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's it's the same. I mean, they are human beings who love their religion. So before doing anything, please pray, pray, pray. And mm-hmm. before talking to anybody, pray, pray, pray. And mm-hmm. it's always good to have a group that pray for you to kind of support you as Moses did with Aaron and Hor. That's very important. So uh, that is one of the main things that I le- that I like to tell you. Yeah, that's a good ex- advice again. So Dr. Fadia, if listeners uh, want to get in touch with you, what are the easiest ways? I don't know how they contact you and mm-hmm. you can just pass it to me. So we'll make sure that we include that in the episode's uh, description so people can just uh, contact us at Harper Muslims and uh, we will send it over to you. That's wonderful. That, that, that sounds great. All right. So as we um, close this session, I also want people to know you personally. So they heard a lot of things about your ministry, your heart for the Lord, but most importantly, your heart for Muslim people because of the Lord. And um, they didn't get to know you. So tell us a little bit briefly, just tell us a little bit about your you and your family. Okay, uh, the beginning of my family is a very loving father uh, who is assistant pastor, uh, who actually uh, gave us the value of souls. He kind of implanted this, this in our hearts that you know Jesus died for, for people and people is the most important thing in life. And that was all my life. Then when I got married, my husband was very supportive because I left my career and I was volunteering in the center all this time with very little money. And he supported me. So he never stood against that. Uh, He passed away. He is in heaven now. Then I have two children and I have uh, four grandchildren. Hmm. Uh, My two children, uh, one engineer and my daughter is professor and they both love the Lord and they serve him. The little children, uh, not yet. I mean, they didn't really know the value of, of souls course. and all the stuff, but yeah. we are trying to implant this in them. That's awesome. God bless you so much. I love hearing about children, and I have four children, um, five, three, and my twin girls are one and a half years old. And uh, just uh, thinking about the joy of uh, grandma, their grandma okay. is coming uh, in two weeks, she will be here. She just, every year they try to come and visit, I mean, from my side. But mm-hmm. their uh, grandparents from uh, mom's side, they are always, every week they're coming here babysitting so Sarah can go to work and I can come to work. And uh, it's just a joy, I think, when you are in your grandchildren's life. So may the Lord continue to bless you and give you thank health you. and uh, continue to use your ministry. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. So again, that was Dr. Fadia Farag of the Brooklyn Arab American Friendship Center. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you appreciate this podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in next week for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices.
You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.